Well, I wonder how you're feeling in the new world in which we live, in whatever room you're currently in, in the air in which we breathe. In a world that just a few months ago, not many of us had even heard of the coronavirus, never alone COVID-19, which is now the topic of every single news break. And I wonder how you're feeling. Uh, are you curious, suspicious, nervous, anxious? And I wonder how you're responding to this current crisis we're in. For, for example, uh, is this you? stockpiling toilet paper and hand wash and canned food and cat food and and then scurrying off to sell it again on eBay at a slightly inflated price. How are you feeling? How are you responding? After all, the coronavirus really did seem to hit us out of nowhere, didn't it? And for a while it seemed so distant, but not anymore. Now it's near and present and, and, and dangerous. Social distancing, uh, states of emergency, supermarket restrictions, these are all the new normal. And the question we ask today is, how do you face that new normal? And in particular, what difference would Jesus make? And now I'm guessing that for lots of us here, we're already Christian. And so this will be important to you. You, you want to honour him, don't you? You want to live for him, don't you? Even now, especially now. And there'll be others of us listening today who, who, who don't know Jesus. In fact, you're not sure what you think of Jesus. But, but a crisis like this raises questions, doesn't it? About life and death and God and more. And so perhaps now, perhaps for the very first time, you are thinking about Jesus. Or perhaps you've already started to see some kind of difference in the friends you know. Particularly your Christian friends. As they've already come to you and knocked on your door. Already sent you the message, given you the call to ask if you're okay, or, or maybe even they've come to bring over their last precious roll of toilet paper just for you. And, and perhaps you've wondered why the difference. Well, that's what today is all about the difference Jesus makes in the face of the corona crisis. What difference does Jesus make? How do you live in a time like this? How do you face the corona crisis as someone who trusts in Jesus? Well, we want to say, first of all, you trust in Jesus. You trust in the Jesus who rules. You trust in the Jesus who cares and who is now still in control, even in the midst of this crisis. As one really helpful summary of the Christian message puts it, and some of you will know this already off by heart, God is the loving ruler of the world. Why? Because he made the world and he made us rulers of the world under him. See, one of the first and most important truths you can know, and especially a time like this, is that this world was made by another. This world was, was designed and built and what's more, that designer didn't just then walk away. The builder didn't build and run. I don't know if it's like this where you live, but where I live, it feels like every two weeks a new builder arrives and a new house is built. But then as soon as it is, what happens next? The builder ups and leaves. You know, the building's on its own. And I think sometimes that's how we think of this world. As though it's a, a wind-up world 
that now runs itself on cause and effect or, or perhaps yet a bit on science alone. But please understand that's not what the Bible says. No, this world, even in its pain, even in corona, is still ruled and controlled and cared for by the very same one who made it. And better yet, the Bible says you can meet that one who made it. But we can literally meet our maker. We can trust our ruler. And who is the ruler? Well, the Bible says his name is Jesus. He's the one who made this world. One part of the Bible puts it wonderfully. Speaking of Jesus, it says this, For in him, that's Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You see, according to the Bible, it's Jesus who rules the world. It's him who's in control, even here, even now. And you see, here's why that matters so very much, especially at a time like this. It's because that truth tells us that even now, especially now, we have someone else to look to and, and cry to and cling to. Uh, you know, I remember when my kids were really little and the thunder and the lightning would come, you know, especially when the night was dark, especially when it woke their sleep, especially when it shook their world. What would they do? They would come running into our bed, under the covers, next to us. Why? Well, because in that moment, they realized that they were not in control. They were not as safe as they thought, and they needed something else and someone else. And You see, that's what those moments do, don't they? But when the thunder of cancer comes, when the lightning of corona strikes, it, it wakes us from our sleep. It shows us we're not safe. That this lie we live, that we, we rule the world, really is a lie. An illusion, a delusion, and it, and it sends us off to someone else. And see, I wonder who that someone is for you. What is the something to which you run? Because I want to say we all have one. Somewhere we hide when the fears are real. Somewhere we go when the thunder comes. And what is it for you? Is it the supermarket shelves? Kind of stockpile the stuff. Is it the head in the sand with the next Netflix binge? Is it that personal place that makes you feel safe? Where do you go when you are out of control? Because see, according to the Bible, there's only one reliable place to go, and his name is Jesus. And he's in control. You see, that's what we told our kids when they would come running to us. Now, and on the one hand, it was all very cute that they would come to us as if we could stop the storm. But of course we couldn't. But you see, he can. That's the point. He can stop the storm. Now, not that he always will. Sometimes he allows the storms of our life to, to rage harder and longer than we would like. And, and we wonder why and we cry out why. But as we do, we need not fear. That evil has somehow won. That chaos somehow rules. That, that corona can never be stopped. Now even then we can know that Jesus does rule the world. He's in control. And he cares for you. 
You see, friends, there is nothing in the world more powerful than Him. Nothing in the world that He does not control. And so look to Him, the Bible says. Trust in Him, the Bible says. Even now, especially now. And if you're listening today and you do trust in Jesus already, the most immediate and obvious way to express that is, of course, in our prayers. As Philippians 4 will say, do you remember, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, including the situation we're in, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, just this week I read this. It says this. That truth, that is the truth of God's complete control in Christ, that truth is like an asthmatic's inhaler for our soul. It calms us down and allows us to breathe. And it does, doesn't it? And that's what we need to know. It calms us down. It allows us to breathe. And I wonder even now, can you feel it? like an asthmatic's inhaler to your soul? Can you feel it allowing you to breathe, to live, to pray to Him? It's actually, that's what we want to encourage you to do right now. To take a breath. To say a prayer. We'd love you to pause now and to pray to this one who rules the world for our world, our friends and even ourselves. someone who trusts in Jesus how do you face the corona crisis that's the question we're asking and we said first the first thing you do is you trust in the Jesus who rules and second I want to say you you hope for more than this that is you you hope for the world to come see the second wonderful truth of the Bible that we need to know right now a truth that's so easy to forget in a country like ours and yet so desperately needed at a moment like this is is that this here is not all there is. But actually, there's a better world to come. A better world where there'll be no more corona or cancer or fears or fights or worries or wars or hurt or abuse. A world that's described at the end of the Bible as a new heavens and a new earth where all that is broken and bent will be gone and where social distancing will be a thing of the past and in fact not just from one another but even from God himself as that little part of the Bible we just quoted goes on to say very same part of the Bible says this look God's dwelling place is now among the people And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And he will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there'll be no more death. Or mourning. Or crying. Or pain. For the old order of things, the the corona order of things, has passed away. And I wonder now as we say this, can you imagine a world like that? 
Can you imagine that hope to come? Can you imagine that home to come? You see, this great author C.S. Lewis could, uh, and he tried to help us too. In the last of his books, in that wonderful Narnia series, I don't know if you know the one, and there's this particular scene where Aslan the king has finally come. And the battle at last is finally won. And they arrive at last to the new Narnia, perhaps better, the renewed Narnia. And, and what does Jewel, the unicorn, so joyfully say? I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it until now. You see, that's what the Bible wants us to see. In fact, I think that's what we all deep down know. There is a more and better to come. A more that we've been made for. A better world than this. And it belongs to those who belong to Jesus. It's waiting for those who wait for him. You see, here's why that matters. Especially now. Because that hope makes a difference to the way we live our life, even in the face of corona. You see, if you know there's a better world to come, if you know that it's certainly yours, if you know it'll be so much better and brighter than the world we live in, then you no longer need to hoard, as if all you have is now. You no longer need to get, as though all there is in this. You say, what can you do? Well, you can hold loosely and lightly to the things of this world because you know that there's more to come. You can give instead of get, share instead of hoard, and serve with others even at cost to yourself. Why? Because you know deep down in your soul that even if you miss out here, that the best is yet to come. There is yet more to come. And if you do that, people will see it. And they will ask for a reason, for the hope that you have, and you will be able to give an answer. An answer that's grounded in Christ. See, because of Jesus, we who trust in him, we have a hope for more than here. As one person put it, and I love this so much, it says, Our hope rests not in fully stocked shelves, and ample disinfected, but in the saving blood of Jesus who gave his life so that one day all disease and pestilence will vanish from the earth. And I'll tell you, when you have that hope, that hope will set you free to love and serve and give and care and to make the most of this life now. How do we face Corona? Of those who trust in him, first we trust in him. Second, we hope for more. And third and finally, and it flows out of the rest, we love as we've been loved. We love as we've been loved. I love the post I saw just last week from a deacon uni grad. They used to be a member of the deacon CU. They're now serving as a nurse. It says this, schools closed, offices closed. Malls empty, events called off, 
flights grounded, economy down, even international borders closed. People are scared so much as to look at each other, forget touching. But hospitals are still open. We still touch patients to check their pulse and examine. We don't hesitate and walk three meters away if you have a cough or a cold or a fever. The only community which is at highest risk yet not stepping back, nurse. Proud to be a nurse. And then it ends, hashtag, respect nurse. And it's so true, isn't it? And we want to thank God, we want to pray for the nurses and doctors and emergency services, especially now, but, but actually, they're not, this is not just true for nurses, did you realize? Did you know this has been the pattern of those who know God's love year after year after year? In fact, as historian and sociologist Rodney Stark puts it in his book, The Rise of Christianity, right throughout history, in plague after plague after plague, Christians have consistently moved toward those in need at terrible cost to themselves. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for them. That's how he already loved them. As another person put it recently, I love this, Jesus Christ understood that the most deadly virus known to humanity is sin. He knew the sin virus was a killer, a parasite that takes up residence and eats away at its host and eventually and always kills. And yet what did he do? Did he deny the problem or, or put others at risk? Did he rush to the supermarket and stock his own shelves? Now the wonderful Lord Jesus moved to those in need. He gave what mattered most. He loved us at the cost of his life so we could have the cure. And you see, when you know that, that can't help but change your life, can it? I heard of an international student recently who was visibly distressed because of COVID-19. A young Christian lady, one of the staff asked her why. Do you know what she said? Because I worry for my friends. I worry for other people. Why? She went on, because I don't know if they know Jesus. And his is the love they need. You see, that's what this love does. It moves your heart and your hands toward other people. And now as we say that, don't get me wrong, we're not against physical distance, especially now. And in fact, keeping physical distance right now might be one of our very best expressions of love. You see, that's the point. That's why a Christian will do it, because of love. To love as we've been loved. Perhaps one of the best expressions of what this might look like, uh, it's being banded around a lot now, it comes from the pages of history, uh, from another man who knew God's love and so loved others as he's been loved, also in the midst of a plague. His name was Martin Luther. And during the bubonic plague, in what's now a very famous quote, you may have seen it already all around about, here's what he said. Therefore, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus, perchance, infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. And if God should wish to take me, 
He will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. But if my neighbor needs me, I shall not avoid place or person, but I will go freely. And that's what we have to do, isn't it? As another put it so very well, as, as the headlines scroll across our screens, anxiety mounts in our chests, let his love for us, rather than our fear for ourselves, drive us. And if you're listening to this and you do know Jesus, this is your challenge now. How are you doing this now? Loving as you've been loved taking care with your hands, taking care with distance, but not shying away from those who need your love. And for those of us listening who don't yet know Jesus, I wonder if this is what you've seen, seen already in your friends who do know Jesus. We hope it is and we hope you'll see it more and more. See, how do you face the coronavirus as someone who trusts in Jesus? What is the difference that Jesus makes? The difference is it causes you to trust in him, to hope for more and to love as you've been loved. 